0: Are these okay? They're amazing. Best chairs I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. <laughs> I've
1: heard him. Oh, right. How are we doing? Yeah, good. How are you? I'm very well, yeah.
0: You look pretty cool today, I've got to say. Do I? Do I not yeah. look cool every day? Most days, yeah. Most days. Okay. Is it my hair? You, yeah, you, you made a special effort today for me. Yeah. I'm pleased about that. He's funny, isn't he?
1: <laughs> um, right, so just first of all, then tell us a little bit about yourselves, uh, who you are and where you're from. So. Okay.
0: Yeah, so I'm Matthew, this is my wife Becky, great to be here today, thanks for inviting us and thanks for having us. So we're the pastors at Utoxta Pentecostal Church, just down the road there. Um, We've only been there six months, it's our first position as pastors, Um, and we also run a ministry called One by One, which has a children's home in Kenya. We have 107 kids, so it's quite a lot of responsibility. That's amazing. So people say it's expensive to raise kids, we know all about it. We've got 108, and one of them's a little white guy down there. And the rest of them are uh, Kenyans. And then we've got, um, we got a project in Sri Lanka as well.
2: We're also from the north, so if you think you sound really weird and you need interpretation, just wave away at us and we'll try and do that.
0: It's
1: okay. Gary can interpret. Where's Gary Morris? He's from the north. He's got the... Yeah, well, you've a you've, you've bit travelled out. You know what it is to... He can interpret that he's got that gift anyway. And Kath, sorry, where's Kath? Yeah. She can interpret as well, so.
0: Yeah. What was that?
1: Lancashire, there you go. As, That's a, as
0: if I'm in Stoke and people are mocking my accent. <laughs> I mean, come on.
1: <laughs> hey up, duck. Right then, okay, second thing then. Talk, talk us a little bit about this ministry then, because um, Becky, I know it's, uh, you both do it together, but predominantly it's, it's kind of you've seen it in your heart, so tell us a little bit about
0: that.
2: So, um, as a little girl, I had a heart to just—I had a heart for the unlovely. So my mum would pull her hair out because I'd always want to buy the teddy bear that was broken, the one whose nose had fallen off, and my mum would pull her hair out because I'd always be drawn to to the things that not everybody's drawn to. Um, But then as an 18-year-old girl, I felt God speak to me while I was on a missions trip to Romania, and he said, one day you'll run a children's home, which was quite a shock to me, because I thought I would study law and have a nice big house and a nice car and everything just so. Apparently not. Um, But from there, a passion within me just began to grow and began to stir. And one of the climax moments for me was on a missions trip to Sierra Leone, and I'd worked with a little girl called Felicity, who was only nine, and um, she simply didn't have any shoes. And, you know, the gospel's quite simple. You know, church people like to make it really complicated, but it's really not. Love God, love people. And Felicity, we shared with her about the love of Jesus, and we just noticed she didn't have any shoes. So went to the market and bought these little pink flip-flops. They didn't even cost a pound. They were probably about 50, 60 pence. And, um, that evening we were doing a big gospel campaign. So we said, come back tonight in your new shoes and we'll take you with us to the gospel campaign. And a proper evangelist can tell you more about Jesus than I did (laughs) that day. And, um, that evening we were stood at the outside the hotel and the cars were lining up ready to take us. And uh, Felicity came over to me and she said, should I wait in the hotel room for you? I thought, what's she talking about? We're literally just leaving. So I asked her again and she said, should I wait in the hotel If she'd have said it to Matthew or to any of the guys on the team, I would have understood. But I'm a girl. She's a girl. So I thought she couldn't possibly, right? So third time I asked her. And sure enough, she thought I'd bought these flip-flops that cost about 60 pence so that I could have my way in the bedroom with her. And it made me literally physically sick. Um, I was so angry, not at the little girl, but at the situation that as a nine-year-old girl, she'd gone through so much abuse in her young years that she would think that of a woman. And it left a scar on my heart that I had a choice in that moment. I could go away and just cry about it. And trust me, I did. But actually, an anger began to rise up within me that, you know what, if we tolerate that in our generation, then it's just going to keep happening. But actually, if we stop for the one and meet them at their point of need, show them the love of Christ in a very real and genuine way. And you know what? I might not be able to change the world, but I can change one little girl's world. And if that's all I ever do, then that's fine. And so when we take new girls into the children's home, I see little Felicity's face. But this morning, as I was praying, and I'll hand back as I know I'm, I'm extending this question... But this morning, as I was praying, I just felt God begin to stir in my heart that actually there's someone in this room that carries a heart on their their heart because they went through that abuse in their young years and they still carry those scars today. And I just want to say that Christ carries that scar so that you don't have to. And this morning, he wants you to give that over to him, that pain and that anguish that you've carried for years. If you'll hand it over to him, it'll completely make you new.
1: That's amazing. I'm going to drop something in there because I had a dream about somebody last night who was in this house. It was a, it was a, a female, so I'm not going to say who it is in front of people. But at the end, if you, you know it's you, then please come and respond, and we'd love to pray for you. And uh, you can speak to Becky. I'm sure Becky would pray for you. Just believing you're going to come through. So, yeah. yeah. Do you want to say anything about one to one? Obviously, ministry is one to one. Is that is that okay? Okay. Uh, last of all, then. Um. Well, not last of all. Obviously, you've had your challenges. It doesn't just happen, you know, you've had your challenges with that ministry and you've had your own personal challenges. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? I know it's probably not easy. Um, Just what that's been like for you and obviously where you are today is amazing. So, come on.
0: Yeah, um, I I get asked to tell this story a lot because I was about seven, eight months ago, I was given um, three hours to live. So, when we go to Kenya, you know, the part of Africa where we go to, it's a very dangerous place. There's lots of tropical disease out there. Um, And when I got there, um, I obviously got sick. Now, I didn't know I was sick. I came back to England. This was in September last year. I came back to England just for two days. I had to fly straight to America to to speak in some churches. Um, And when I got to America, I started feeling really ill. And it was right at the outbreak of the Ebola. Um, It was right at the time of the Ebola outbreak. So, People were like freaking out if you'd been to Africa. So I went to the doctor, said that I was sick, and they were, you know, very um, concerned. They looked at my symptoms, and they'd said, look, we'll give you some medication, but if you're still ill in two days, you've got to come back and see us. So um, two days passed, and I just felt worse. I mean, I was sweating. I was shaking. I was shivering. It was real painful um, feelings that I was going through. So I went back to my doctor, and he did some more tests on me, and he said, look, you've got to get to hospital right now. So I walked in there and this was the first time I heard this word Ebola. And they looked at me and they said, you have every symptom of Ebola. You, you've not been to Africa recently, have you? I said, yeah, I was there last week. So obviously the alarm bells begin to ring. And they actually quarantined me for three days and carried out tests of, to find out whether or not I had Ebola. Now thankfully I didn't have Ebola. I saw some people getting a bit nervous there, you know, when I'm turning Um I had malaria. Um, which obviously is still a very serious disease. So they said um, there's four different strains of malaria, and they said you've got the worst one. Um, so five if you have 5% of malaria in your bloodstream, it can be deemed fatal, i.e. you can die with 5% of this parasite in your blood. They did test on me, and I'd gone up to 20%. That was on the Friday. And on the Saturday, I was unconscious by this point, but they told Becky... They said it's gone up to 50%. So half of his bloodstream has malaria in it. And every one of his major organs are failing. His heart, his lungs, his kidney, his liver, his brain get affected. So literally every part of me was affected. 50% malaria. I was unconscious. And they pulled me in a side room. And at one point they said, look, medicine has failed. We can't do anything else for him. I'm sorry about this, but we can give him no more medication. His body has rejected the medicine and he'll probably be dead within two, three hours. So you can imagine the kind of trauma that brought to me, to my family's life. I was unconscious. My family's back in England. We didn't really have any friends with us over there in America, just a small few. Uh, so it's very nervy time. But thank God for Becky because um, you know, she's a woman of God. She believes in prayer. She believes in miracles. She believes that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. She believes that the same God who raised Lazarus from the grave is the God who's alive and here in this room right now. So she was full of faith. She was, she was full of boldness. And she's a woman of God, but she's also a woman of Facebook. So that helps. So, so, she,
1: so just quickly now, because I know, Beck, what it was like for you, because I know you were bold and all that, but the reality of facing it as well, it was also... Quite difficult. Everything and... goes
2: through your minds. Um, how do you pay the mortgage? I mean, I've been told, Matt's 27. Well, he's not now, but he was uh, 27. And being told that he's got hours left to live was just. It went against everyth- everything we believed over our lives, every promise of God we believed for our lives. It went against it. And I just couldn't comprehend it. And everything from how do you pay the mortgage to how do I tell his mom to how do I tell Josiah. Um, How do I carry on with the work in Africa? How do I do it? How do I do it? How do I do it? And I remember the doctor, when she said he's got a few hours left to live, she said to me, you've got a little boy at home who calls you mummy. You cannot go back to Africa. And I remember looking her in the eye and saying, I understand the gravity of that, but I've got 107 kids out there who call him daddy and call me mummy. How can I not go back? And it wasn't until a few days later when, you know, you learn scriptures as a little girl in Sunday school, as a kid. And literally Philippians 4, 7, which says the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and it will guard your mind. Walking that through rather than just knowing it as something you can quote became a whole new reality. And literally where my thoughts would run run wild, suddenly I was able to take those thoughts captive and declare the word over Matt. And that was what helped me through those moments.
0: So go back to Facebook then. Yeah, so Becky put this message out, and it was urgent. Please pray. My husband could be dead in three hours. We need prayer. And what happened was the most beautiful thing. You know, a lot of people got a lot of negative things to say about the church. And I hear this all the time. It drives me insane because I think the church is the most beautiful thing in the world. You know, it's the bride of Christ. The Bible says the church is the body of Christ. So it's a very precious thing we're talking about here. And people treat the church like it's some toy toy but really it's the bride of Christ. It's a beautiful thing. And we, in our hour of need, we just saw the church come together in such a beautiful way. I mean, we saw Christians all around the world. I woke up from my unconscious state and um, I had like over 2,000 messages on Facebook from people all around the world. You know, I knew that my friends and family would be praying for me. That didn't surprise me. But what did surprise me was when I was getting messages from Australia and the Philippines and Uganda and China and Germany and every nation you could think of sent him a message saying hey we've been praying for you we've been weeping God woke us up in the night to pray for you and tears just ran down my cheek as I thought wow God really put this on people's heart and to cut a long story short three hours after Becky put that message up on Facebook the doctor pulled her in again and said we we can't believe this but in the last three hours that malaria has gone right down from 50 percent right down to 10 and then it went to five to four to three and it's gone. I think God needs a round of applause for that.
1: And I've heard, I've probably heard that three times, four times now. And every time I hear it, it stirs me again. It's sensational, isn't it? And what I like about it is the react, you know, these are just genuine, lovely people who love God and love people and love these kids. But how real they are as well. You know, he talks about being bold being bold isn't always having it all together. It's being real with where you're at and trusting in God. So phenomenal, inspirational, and uh, you know, I'm just privileged to have you here this morning. So, yeah, Matthew's going to preach now. So let's give him a round. No, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. Let's give him a round of applause first. Yeah. Okay, we're going to pray for them first. Is that okay? I want to pray for them as a couple, their family. I want to pray for their ministry. And um, so, Michael, if you come up here as well. Sarah, come up. And we're going to pray for them. Okay. Church, let's join together, wherever you are now, if you want to reach your arm out, whatever you want to do, just to pray for these as a couple. Talk to God about them, you know, just pray for their their futures. So, Father, I thank you for the miraculous that you've brought them through. And I thank you, God, that you're using this for good in order to bring you glory and to inspire others in faith, God, to keep trusting in your promises, to keep believing that you are good, to keep pushing on. And, Father, I thank you for this amazing couple. I thank you for their humility. And I thank you for the inspiration that they are. And Father, we just pray for their family that you would continue to go ahead of them, continue to give them favor, open up doors, Father God, that have, you know, bring in finances. It's not easy to finance this ministry. And Father God, but you keep providing every step of the way. And Father, I pray that you would continue to do that, God. Bring people to provide for them in the name of Jesus Christ, that these children would flourish. And Father, we just pray for those children God, we thank you for each child. We thank you for their hearts and how precious they are, their futures, their destiny in you. And Father, I pray that they would multiply what's been put into them, multiply the word of God that's gone into them. That they would too would see not only miracles happen, but would see churches established in those regions in the name of Jesus Christ. And I thank you, Father, for their openness today. I thank you for their honesty, and uh, we welcome you into this house in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you again. Okay, let's give Becky, she's going to go down now, and let's give her a clap. Okay, are we ready for God's word then? Is anybody inspired this morning? I'm feeling inspired. Anybody's fire flicked on the inside and, you know, the fuel that you've had sitting there for a while is just beginning to get ignited again and going, come on, I can do this. You can do it. Keep going. You know, we've got the word of God now. Matthew's going to come and bring the word for us. So I'm not going to say too much about that apart from open your heart, get your Bible, get your journal that you can take something from this and put it into your life. It's no good as just talking about something and not doing something with it. It's no good just talking about love and not loving people and not forgiving people and actually doing something of substance with the word of God. And I'm inspired this morning by these as a couple, but I want God to speak to you. And that comes when you open up your heart, listen to God's word, and put it into your life. Are we ready for God's word? I'm sure you're going to cheer him on as well. If you cheer him on, I guarantee you'll encourage him more. If you sit there with a sour face going, it's not going to inspire him. It's not. You know, you don't go somewhere for, you know, you don't go to the, if you went to the cinema and they turned the screen off and said, we're not going to put it on for you, you wouldn't be happy. So why do it in church? Come in church and, you know, it's not about entertainment. It's about engaging with the body of Christ. He is part of the body. So encourage him and he'll encourage you and we'll encourage each other around God's word this morning because that's who it's about. It's about Jesus and his word this morning. So let's give it up for Matthew as he comes and shares this morning.
0: Awesome. Thank you. Now let's give Jesus a shout of praise this morning. Come on, you can do better than that. Yes, Lord, we worship you. Thank you, Lord. You may be seeing It's great to be in Stoke. I never thought I'd say those words, but it really is good to be in Stoke. Thank you. We really love Paul and Sarah, and it's great. There's a good vibe here this morning. And it's good that God's moving and people are excited about Jesus. You know, there's a lot of misery out there. A lot of disappointment out there, a lot of sadness out there. So I think when we come to church, when we come into the house of God, we should be happy. Yeah? So it it's, uh, really is a joy to be here. I'm going to play you a video straight away. We don't have uh, much time. We've got a lot to, we've had to get through this morning, lots of stories to tell. So if we could just get that video ready, uh, and this will just sum up a little bit about what we do in Africa. You know, there's no telling what God could do in your life today. There's, you just can't underestimate one encounter with God. You know, if Jesus is really going to change our lives, if Jesus is really going to touch us in a powerful way, then there's no telling what he could do in your life today. You could never underestimate one encounter with God. It just took one encounter for Saul of Tarsus to be changed, to become the greatest evangelist Europe's ever seen. Saul of Tarsus, he used to go around killing Christians. He was a persecutor of the church and yet one touch from God and everything turned around in his life. Now I don't know how bad your situation is today. I don't know what you're doing in your life. I, can't, I don't have a camera into your life. I don't have inside knowledge about everyone's life here today. But let me promise you this. Let me assure you this. That one touch from God. Just one touch, one encounter from heaven can change absolutely everything. So let me encourage you today know, we're just normal people with an extraordinary God. We just humbled ourselves before God and we said, God, we'll give you our lives. Not just a part of it, not just a couple of hours on a Sunday morning and the occasional prayer meeting. But we said, God, whatever you want to do with my life, you do it. Send me wherever. And boy, did he send us to some places and he still is doing. You know, we can't have God on our terms. We can't just say, hey, God, I'll go here. I'll do that. And if you truly surrender your heart to Christ this morning, then open, him, open your heart for him to send you wherever he wants to send you and do whatever he wants you to do. You know, people have this perception that the call of God is easy and enjoyable. And there's nothing whatsoever in the Bible to suggest that. Jonah fought that call. Paul went through times of homelessness and imprisonment and starvation and beatings and persecution. So don't be under the, no one's shouting amen at that one, are there? You've all gone quiet. But ever since we said yes to the call of God, it's not all been a plain sailing journey. When Josiah was born, a little boy you saw up here early, yeah, you know, he nearly died when he was born. We don't have a good history in, of health in our family the last few years. But seriously, the, the joy that serving Christ can bring, wow. What a difference! The things we've seen with our eyes—the children transformed, children who just two years ago—I mean, we had to hire a social worker when we built this home because the the cases were so horrendous. We didn't know who was making it up and who was telling the truth. And we had we had hundreds of kids wanting to get into this home, and we obviously had to limit it to to I say just 107. But the stories were so heartbreaking—little kids been abused, beat, persecuted, little children aged six and seven reports of sexual abuse by their own fathers or their uncle or some family member. The stories were so heartbreaking and we had to reach a point where we thought, God, if we don't do anything for these kids, then who's going to do something? If we don't lay our life down, if we don't, Believe you, God, only you can change our hearts. Let me tell you, if we took you to that home now, you would see a completely different story. You just would not believe the transformation in these kids. They're full of joy, they're full of happiness, they're full of encouragement, they're transformed, their countenance has changed. You can just see a complete transformation because you should never underestimate what God can do. Let me show you that video real quick and then we'll tell you some stories. So, you know, when, um, when Becky first went into that village, um, they, had a, they gave her a bit of a bad nickname. You know, she, they'd never seen many white people there before. And they were so confused why this white woman would want to go there and build this orphanage in the middle of nowhere, we're right in the middle of the bush in Kenya. I mean, there's just no shop for maybe 40-minute drive. It's, it's in the middle of nowhere. And people just couldn't comprehend why we wanted to go there. So, you know, there's a lot of witchcraft in Africa. A lot of, um, you know, very open to the spiritual realm. So they called Becky. They said she's the white witch. Who on earth would call my wife a witch, eh? But they called her the white witch. And um, the village which we're in is called Bumala. Bumala. uh, On the Kenyan-Ugandan border. So... Becky, that's the premise she started on. Very kind of bad reputation. She's the white witch. What is she doing here? So she had to really fight to change that reputation. But she didn't really have to fight at all. She just had to love. You know, many times we, we try and convince people about Christ and about his love. When really all we've got to do is love them. We've got to love them and love them and love them. So Becky would go to this village... She would go and she'd knock on, on the doors. She'd tell people about Jesus. She'd give them gifts. She'd, she'd mourn with them when they had lost family members. She'd pray with the sick. She'd visit the kids in their school. She'd take them in. She'd, she'd give them food. She just loved this village and loved it and loved it. It was the most beautiful thing. And there was one particular family. And every time she went there, she would knock on their door. And she'd say, hey, I want to tell you about Jesus. And they would be very respectfully, They'd say, "Sorry, but we we don't want to know about your God. We're not interested." So then she'd go back again and again, and she'd say, "Hey, I want to tell you about Jesus. I want to tell you about Jesus." And again, you know, they'd say, "Look, we respect you, and we thank you for what you're doing in our village, but we're not interested in your Jesus." And she went maybe four or five times to this house. And on the on the on one occasion, she knocked on the door, and again, she didn't do anything different. She just said. I just want to tell you that God loves you. Jesus has a plan for your life. He wants to invade you with his love and his presence. And this time, the the father of the home, he looked at her and he said, you know what, we're ready. We believe it's time to accept Christ into our lives. So they were so excited and uh, they said to Becky, they said, look, you used to be known as the White Witch, but now we honor you. We give you the title, Mother Bumala which is the name of the village. So Becky earned that reputation. So we wrote a little book here. and It's called Mother Bumala. And it's just loads of stories. You know, I'm a journalist by trade, so I love to tell stories. And uh, here you'll just hear stories of how God can, what God can do with your life. Becky's just from a very normal family. Just a family. She just went to church like loads of other kids go to church. But right from that young age... She had a heart for something, and God had birthed something in her. So, if you want to hear more about these stories, you can, we don't really put a price on these, you know, because it's it's invaluable what this could do for your life. So, just um, just just grab one. Just put any donation you feel today. You can have one. Let me let me throw one out here. There. Oh, sorry about. Whoa! Are you are you okay? Oh my gosh! I didn't mean to do that. Sorry. We'll 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 we'll, we'll pray for the sick later. Okay, we'll have a healing line and you'll be the first one up. So sorry about that. Wow. Sorry. Don't cry. You'll be all right. Okay, we'll talk later. It's not really crying. So yeah, so uh, I'm going to get Becky up here now. She's going to just share a few stories herself. And then um, I'll just give a little thought at the end. So why don't Becky come up here? And she's... Um, <laughs> you just share what's on your heart.
2: I'm not going to chuck anything out say if you're all right um yeah starting in bumala being known as the witch wasn't quite the starting point i thought when god sent me as a missionary you know you think oh you know missionary everyone's gonna love you <laughs> not in my world um but you know what as matthew said just loving people just sitting in their mud huts eating their food which sometimes makes you a little bit poorly but it's who cares? It's a minor cost. Eating their food, just learning little bits of their language, but just being one of them. Not changing your views or your thoughts or your beliefs, but just loving them on their level. And through doing that, we've seen barriers come down. But you know what? It's all about the favor of God. When, when God is ordained you, when God's sending you, when it's a God-given mission, everything changes because you walk in a realm that it's not what man can achieve, because it's nothing about us. It's nothing to do with us. It's all about him. And so little by little, as we've just began to love the people, um, we've began to have great favor in the village. And so there's a medical center. It's a government-led clinic right across the road. And they now allow us to go in and pray for the sick. And um, a year last October, I was out there praying for a lady who was dying of malaria and typhoid. And we prayed with her and in the name of Jesus be healed, in the name of Jesus be healed. And I'd love to tell you that she jumped out of the bed and ripped out the cannula and said, hallelujah, I'm saved and I'm healed. But that didn't happen. And I walked out of the clinic that day, genuinely thinking I will never see that lady again. I mean, she was at the point where they were no longer given her medications to, to heal her. They were now given medications to just stop the pain until she died. She was at the end of life care. And I left the clinic thinking... Pretty much she was dead and buried in my mind. I returned the following December and a lady came towards me with a huge smile on her face and she had a little boy with her. And she said, you don't recognize me, do you? Well, I do have a memory like a goldfish. So no, I didn't. And um, she said, I was the lady you was praying for a few months ago. She's then the same day after you'd gone, not only was I completely healed, but I was discharged home the same day. Yeah, I mean, it's worthy of praise. And so then she began to ask everyone in the village, who are these crazy white people? And who's this Jesus that they kept talking about? So the locals told her about the children's home, why we're there, and that we believe in Jesus Christ is the son of God, and he's the one who healed her. So it's literally like the story in John 4 where the lady goes back to her own village, which is the neighboring village along, and starts telling everybody in the village about what Jesus has done for her. It was amazing. I mean, talk about the greatest evangelist there is. And so she went out and told everybody. But as a result, they brought a little boy to her called David. And basically, David's story is that his mom died when he was four, and his father lived and worked away. And so... When we met David, he was nine. So for five years, he'd lived entirely by himself, surviving on grass and worms, just to make it till tomorrow. And his daily goal was to make it to tomorrow, just to make it to tomorrow. That was his only dream in life, just to exist till tomorrow. And so she brought David to us. And long story short, we took David into the home. He's now getting a fantastic education. Now his dream is not to exist till tomorrow. It's to go on and be a policeman and he's now got the dreams and ambitions that he never had before. And all of a sudden, this little boy who was very isolated, he didn't know how to be around people because he'd only ever known what it was to be on his own. Suddenly now he's in an environment where he's loved. Suddenly now he's got a passion in his heart. He's got a saviour in his heart that's given him a hope for tomorrow and it's changed his life. Well, you might be in a situation that you've written off as dead and buried. I'd written off that lady. She was darn and dusted as far as I was concerned. Yet God had another plan. And there's a situation you might be praying into that you're thinking, do you know what? I just need to write that off. It's done. It's it's finished. But actually, God's not only going to resurrect that situation, but as a result of that, the ripples will go out and other lives will be transformed. Not only did that lady not die, but she went back to her village and loads of people came to know Jesus because of it. Not only was she healed, but she healed a little boy's life called David, who's now a different boy entirely. So don't write it off. Keep praying. We serve a mighty, powerful God, and it's never finished. Never finished when he's involved.
0: Awesome. You know, uh, healed people heal people. And hurt people hurt people. But healed people heal people. So if God's healed you today, if God's done a great thing in your life, then you could be the answer to someone else's problems. I'm going to speak for a few minutes from John chapter 4. You don't really need to turn to it because I can just tell you it and I can paraphrase what what happens. But there's a woman there who Jesus meets. This woman's not been living a very good lifestyle. In fact, she's been been sleeping around. She's had four or five different husbands and uh, life has not done too well for this woman. You know, she's had some struggles. Many people would have written her off. Many people would have kind of forgotten all about her cast her to one side but Jesus does the most beautiful thing he goes out of his way this is Jesus who can get a crowd of thousands of people just like that multitudes followed him now Jesus I always imagine you know when the woman with the issue of blood touches his garment it says that you know she pushed through the crowd so I always imagine you know like when a rock star gets out of a limousine and the crowd are just kind of press it in I always imagine that picture when I read that story that Jesus would have just had multitudes of people gathered around him because people wanted to be near Jesus but Jesus despite having that fame and that incredible drawing to people he never lost the importance of stopping for one life And throughout the scriptures you often see where men are chasing the crowds. Jesus is very often very interested in the one. So Jesus goes out of his busy schedule. This is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He goes out of his busy schedule to stop for one woman. And he shares the love of God with her. And like all people who truly encounter Jesus, her life is completely turned around. And what's incredible about this woman is she's healed and healed people heal people. So she goes and she tells a whole town and a whole region. And that whole town and that whole region responds and follows Christ. But it all started with one woman whose society had written off who'd been sleeping around. God loves to surprise us with his choice of who he used. He doesn't always go for the slick and the glamorous. He doesn't always go for the super talented and the super gifted God will use anyone. God will use anyone. So never write anyone off. Because you're just setting them up for God to use them. So Jesus stopped for this one woman. We called our ministry One by One. One by One. And it was based around this verse. And we would never want to get too busy. That we might just find time to stop for the one. You know I'm glad someone stopped To tell me about Jesus. I'm glad that when I was broken, when I was hurting, when I was just had sin running through my life, I'm just glad that someone stopped to tell me about the greater love. One of my favorite preachers is a man named Bill Wilson. Bill Wilson. Now, Bill Wilson, let me tell you about this guy. He's a bit of a crazy guy. Probably why I like him. And he is an American. Again, probably why I like him. You might think I've got a bit of an American accent. People often mock me about that. But I assure you I'm from Yorkshire, which is very different to America. But Bill Wilson, he was a kid who grew up in uh, in America. And his mum, he didn't know his dad, but he grew up just with his mum. And life didn't treat Bill too well. And Bill um, found himself walking down the street. He was just 14 years old with his mum. He's walking down the street with a And they reach a street corner and Bill Wilson's mum says these words to her. He says, hey, she says, hey, hey son, just wait right there, I'll be right back. So Bill, he's 14, he obviously believes what his mum's going to say. So he waits and an hour goes by and mum doesn't come back. And then another hour goes by and mum doesn't come back. And then half a day goes by and... He's still kind of looking around and there's thousands of people. This is a big city in America walking by, but no one no one says anything, no one does anything. And his mum still doesn't come back. A whole day goes by and still he's thinking, oh, mum must just be a bit busy. She'll be back soon. Then another day goes by and there's still no sign of mum. Eventually, three days later, his mum still hasn't returned to him and he's just sat there. On this street corner, on this bench, waiting for his mom. Three whole days he sat there. And literally millions of people would have walked past that street corner. It was a big American city. And thousands and millions of people would have walked past. No one even stopped. No one even looked at him. No one even acknowledged him. But then one man walked by. This man had his own son. His own son was in hospital, dying of cancer at that time. This man was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he believed that God just placed on his heart to go and stop and talk to this young man named Bill Wilson. So he said, hey son, what's wrong? And he said, well, I've been waiting here three days for my mum and she hasn't come back. He said, son, come with me. He took this boy, he put him in his car and he drove him to a Christian youth camp. Bill Wilson never heard of God, never heard of the gospel. And he took him to this Christian youth camp. And this little 14-year-old boy raised his hand that week and responded to the gospel and said, I want to live my life for Christ. Bill Wilson today leads the largest Sunday school in the world in New York City. Is it because he's a great intellect? No. Is it because of his incredible academic upbringing? No. Is it because of he's an amazing public speaker and he's so gifted with children? Yeah, he, a little bit he is. But what's the real reason Bill Wilson today has got the largest Sunday school in the world, in the toughest city in the world, New York City. It's because one man was listening to the Holy Ghost and he felt the need to stop for the one. Wow, what an encouragement, what an inspiration that just one act, just buying a little kid some lunch and taking him to some Christian youth camp impacted now millions of people around the world. You know, many times we're looking for the big dream. How big can we grow our church? How many can we get in this Sunday? How cool can we make the place look? And I love all that stuff. And we're doing a renovation right now at church in Utah. So I believe in that stuff. But we can try, how can we get big? How can we reach the multitudes? What can we? And we don't see that the answer could be right there in front of us. In the form of someone else. No one's even looked at. So I want to challenge you today. I want to leave you with a thought that never get too busy to stop for the one. I'm glad that my own mother stopped for me. You know, I remember as a kid, I grew up with not much confidence, which might surprise you because I'm very confident now. But I grew up and uh, I remember going to school and I suffered from a terrible speech impediment terrible a stammer kind of really held me back in those early years I remember the horror of in a school lesson being asked to read out loud and we'd read a chapter of a book and we'd have to go around the room and we'd have to read a sentence each and I remember even as an eight-year-old kid like sweating and shaking with nerves because I knew that when it came for me to read my sentence I just tried to, 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 just couldn't get the words out and the whole room just burst out laughing. So I know what it feels like to feel insignificant. I know what it feels like to go home and cry and say, Mom, they're laughing at me, Mom. They're mocking me, Mom. I just don't know how I'm going to survive. I remember my mom as a young boy looking in me in the eye. And she said, Son, I believe one day God's going to heal you. God's going to give you a voice. You're going to use it to speak about Jesus. And I would think, what is she talking about? I can't even speak in front of my class. Twenty kids in a room would would, would freak me out. How on earth am I going to do this? But oh, what God can do with a little boy. Oh, what God can do with something so insignificant. God's used me and I'm so humble. I'm just a nobody, but God's used me. I remember when we we lived in America for a year, hence the accent. (laughs) And we would, um, the meetings we were doing were broadcast on TV, on God TV. And they went all around the world. And I was the guy who was kind of reporting what was happening and sharing stories of what God's done. And we used to get feedback from all around the world, emails and we would get messages from people in Iraq and Afghanistan and nations where you could never go and preach the gospel and people would be writing in saying, we've given our lives to Christ watching this show. And then people on the radio, when we've done radio stuff around the world and the, the the large crowds, God's allowed us to speak in front of, and that's a little boy who couldn't even speak, a little boy with a stammer. That's just what God can do. So I want to... Encourage you. I wonder if we could get the keyboard and we'll just wrap this up real quick. I just want to encourage you to not despise small beginnings and just be encouraged at what God can do with your life. You might have got out of bed this morning and thought, Why on earth do I need to go there one more time? I'm sick of that place. That's just the pastor. But seriously, you might be thinking, what am I going to do? God, where are you right now in my life? Where are you? You might be thinking, I, I just can't go on another day. I just want to encourage you today that God sent me here. This ain't just some speaking engagement. I don't get personally paid for being here. I'm not here because I've got nothing better to do. I'm here because I believe God wanted me here to speak this message to you. And to share some of these stories to show you what God can do with your life. He can turn it around. He can set you ablaze. He can put a burning flame in your heart which no devil in hell can put out. No matter what life throws at you. No matter what circumstances come your way. I want to tell you, Jesus Christ, He can raise you up just like He raised me up. And he can put such a passion in your heart. Just like Becky says, despite we, me nearly dying, she said, I'm going to go back because it's my God-given passion. It's not a hobby. It's not something to do on your week off. It's a God-given passion. Let's just bow our heads real quick. I'm going to ask two types of people to respond. First of all, And this isn't being a gospel message as such, but there's people in here who've got to get right with God right now. I couldn't go out of this door and leave you without giving you that opportunity. You see, I'm a Christian. I go to church. I worship God. I have my hands in the air. I've been praying. Listen, is your life hot for God right now? Are you living a Christ-centered life, or are you still flirting around with the world and its desires? Are you addicted to things you shouldn't be addicted to? Are things holding you back in your walk with God? Only you can answer that question today. We're not here to judge you. We're not here to dig all that stuff up and put it on a big screen. God the Holy Spirit is here to convict of sin and he's also here to forgive of sin. That's how beautiful God is. And I just sense so strongly right now that there's people in here. And you just got to get right with God. You got to say, God... Wash me anew. Listen, you don't need to put on a facade for God. He knows what's going on in your heart. You might look a certain way in front of everyone, but God knows what's going on right on the inside of you. You say, well, i do this. Listen, you can go to hell with baptism water running down your cheek. You can go to hell with communion bread in your hand. I'm not here to judge you today I'm your friend I love you I'm here I'm here because I love you but I just sense today you might need to get right with God you might just need to say God forgive me wash me I'm sorry God I'm broken and I need you to fix me I just need your love and forgiveness and grace and mercy God forgive me wash me if that's you today I'm not going to drag you out here just lift your hand and show me show me that you need to be included in that prayer Jesus' name, yeah. Thank you. Is anyone else? Yeah, I've got some hands going up. Come on, don't let pride rob you today of an encounter with God. Don't let pride stop you. Yeah, God bless you. Be healed in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, be healed. If you responded to that today, then... We don't have time to do this now, but go and see one of the pastors, one of the team here. They love you. They want to help you. They don't want to judge you. The second group of people I want to talk to you say, you know what? I've been a bit inspired today that I've got to, I've got to give my all to Christ. I've got to serve him with all my being. I've got to just lay. I want to lay. I want to make a difference in my generation. I want to be bold. I want to be bold as a lion. That's you today. That's want you stand to your feet right now. You want to make a fresh commitment to serving Christ. You say, God, I want to serve you in my generation. I want to make a difference in this town, in this city. I want to make a difference. If that's you, just stand to your feet right now. And you feel God spoke to you this morning and challenged you to enter a new, a new realm of faith in Jesus' name. Let's pray real quick. God, we thank you for everyone who responded, even those who didn't respond. We thank you for their life. Why don't we all just stand to our feet right now, real quick. Holy Spirit, we thank you, God, for what you've done in every life today. We know you want to reach people and touch their lives in a powerful way. And I just pray today, Lord, you would mark in their lives as a day when they encountered you. A day when you were you touched them, you empowered them, you filled them. Those who don't know you, God, I pray you'd reach them right now. Those who said they need to get right with you, I pray they'd get right with you right now. In Jesus' name. Those who need healing in their bodies, be healed. In Jesus' name, God, what you did for me, do it for them. And those who simply want to serve you, God, I pray for the boldness of God to touch their lives. In Jesus' name.